For May 23rd, 2022, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 725. Passion fruit, orange, and guava. It's Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're never happier than when we are hanging out together, say on an afternoon, you know, and we're we're talking with each other about the things that we love or, or the things that we once loved. And you know what I love, guys? I, I, I love pineapple juice, and I'm a lot like pineapple juice, I'd say. I'm Matt Rather. Uh, I'm your, uh, your host for tonight, but you know what? Sometimes that's not enough. I need someone who's kind of like orange juice and you know who that is? That's Mr. Peter Fenzel. Hey Pete, how are you? I bet you, you put pineapple juice on your pizza. That's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) What? It's it's called a, it's called a Hawaiian pizza. It's like, you know, monsoon rains. So you pour pineapple (laughs) juice. You dump a bucket of pineapple juice on top of your pizza. On top of your pizza (laughs) until the, until the crust is soggy and the whole thing is this kind of sodden mass, right? That's not, I think they call that poi. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I think we're really crushing it. It's called poke. That's what Pokemon are. Is that they're anyway? Before we do any more ceviche tonight of our the items in our homes, uh, but sure, you know, yes, Pete. I think together, me pineapple juice and you orange juice are are not sufficient. We need a third juice, and that juice is guava juice in the person of Mark Lee. How are you, Mark? I'll take guava juice. I was thinking more like Capri Sun. Right, no, something that might like a silvery pouch that I was poking circa 1989 as I was watching a certain <laughs> series of animated shows in the afternoon after after school. Can, can you believe? I mean, who would who would take a syringe full of laboratory grade ethanol, poke a hole in a Capri Sun, fill it to make it extremely extremely high ABV, and then put a tape over it? Certainly not us when we were in college. We would never do anything. <laughs> anything like that because that would be disgusting but you know what is not disgusting uh, by itself or as a mixer with uh, any sort of clear spirit it is the combination of pineapple orange and guava juice or pog <laughs> that was a really long way around the barn wow <laughs> yeah is that real? Is that a real thing? Yeah, that's that, where you... the, that's where pogs came from. It was that they were the bottle oh, they were the bottle what? caps of the the bottles of the pog juice. And then there I was I had no idea where you were taking us with this man. There was this flipping, I still don't believe you. Wait, what? There was this this game that you played with them where you could like flip them one way or the other and it was like uh it was um you know, uh, like a, a not a trading card because they're not trading cards, but it was a game of like like marbles or something where you would win some or your collection would be diminished, and uh, that is the direct descent, the the direct ancestor of Magic the Gathering, Pete, the direct ancestor of Magic the Gathering and all all trading card games. No, it was uh yeah, that's uh, that's the the oh. origin of Pogs. At least that's the origin that I learned when I was a young boy. Had Pogs. And watched the Disney afternoon. 
those those things were all contemporaneous in my life. I don't know if they were in uh, in your lives as well. And as we kind of hone in, as we come in in, in loping, so turning and turning in the widening gyre uh, <laughs> towards our uh, towards our topic. As we come towards that, uh, it turns out that it is the Disney afternoon after all. Mark, did you enjoy the Disney afternoon as a young man? Oh, it, it, enjoy it doesn't really begin to describe it. Okay, because I have to set the stage here. The year is 1989. Um, I am seven wait, wait, years. Can I just ask you to pause yeah, yes. for just one second? Sure. Because Matt has once again confounded our audience by misleading them about what the podcast is about. It's, <laughs> right? it's, it's literally the only joy I have in my entire week. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to put a pin in this. This podcast is not about the Disney afternoon. Mark, continue. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's... It's interesting. Even the movie we're talking about is is is, is, is somewhat about the Disney afternoon. Um, it's about a lot of so, things somewhat, too. but not not exactly, not one hundred percent. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Okay, the year is nineteen eighty nine. Um, George Herbert Walker Bush is president of the United States. Um, I am a young lad of seven years old, and I just moved from uh, Augusta, Georgia, to Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I, it marks kind of like the I, I really the beginning of my conscious uh, existence, memory um, of life on this earth. Because I remember very distinctly uh, the new home we were going to move into wasn't ready yet. So we lived for several months in a hotel, like an extended stay hotel. And what did this hotel have? Cable television. And what was on cable television when I came home from school? The Disney afternoon suite of shows, including Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Um, And I remember these shows being like that and like Muppet Babies being really like first media things that I was really conscious of, really aware of and really into um, I remember tales of daring do adventure escape mystery teamwork um, villains heroes um, all of this was my my introduction to all all these things in, in storytelling um, and you know which is have culminated now many you know many years later as a as a as a podcaster bloating about uh, about all these different topics um but yeah so I, you know like like a lot of us of the, of this age you know I was a big fan of these shows um you know, very formative in, in my in my youth, my upbringing. Um, and when the trailer rolled around for a movie, and this was at least a, f- a few months ago, um, needless to say, I was skeptical um, because for a few reasons, right? Like, a, I'm very much a target audience for this sort of thing, right? Um, elder millennial who grew up with these sorts of things and uh, now is in a demographic where, um, you know, I am to be pandered to, but also um, to uh, not just for me, but also for the children that I'm bringing up, bringing up so that they get inculcated into all these pop culture properties as well. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the target audience for that. And you know, I should be receptive to this sort of thing, but also highly skeptical. And the tone that this that the marketing for this movie struck was like really odd, for lack of a better word. Um, like playing uh, the, playing up um a heavy dose of ironic detachment um, from the material and uh, uh, highlighting, of course, all the different meta aspects, which we'll talk a lot about, right? Uh, uh, reminiscent of who framed Roger Rabbit uh, or Space Jam, or at least the most recent installment of Space Jam. Um, it all felt very alienating. Um, the, the music, uh, in the, the, the classic theme song, Tales, was nowhere to be heard in the trailers and i just kept thinking what on earth are they doing with this 
Um, the only thing that that had uh, gave me any hope for this was that John Mulaney and Andy Samberg were both involved in it. Um, you know, big fans of of their comedy, their their sense of humor, and so like, okay, what the heck, give it a whirl. Seems like it's getting good reviews. I pitched this to the group, um, and here we are. I, I for one at least was pleasantly surprised, uh, at least in terms of the surface level enjoyment of the movie and kind of the, the general cleverness of it. Now, what this movie means, like what this is about, what we talk about when we talk about Rescue Rangers 2022, um, I'm still processing that. And I'm really hoping that I can work that out with you guys, because there's a little boy inside of me in 1989, like stuck in a hotel room, um, you know, two feet away from a from a 15 inch screen watching this and asking, what does it all mean? Pete, what does it all mean? What was this movie about? <laughs> So we are talking about the Disney Plus film Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which came out Friday of this past week and which can be described as perhaps a Lonely Island joint, right? In that it is uh, uh, directed by uh, Akiva Schaffer and stars Andy Samberg. Um, and but it isn't, and John Mulaney is in it as well. Andy Samberg and John Mulaney are Dale and Chip, the Chipmunks, respectively. It's got an all star cast. Bafflingly, <laughs> and uh, and if you haven't seen it, uh, is better than expected by like a pretty big margin. This this is not a bad movie. And Pete, uh, this is yep. Pete, I I don't know how anyone could not get that information from the intro that I did. <laughs> I don't know how any person. <laughs> well, they oh, sure don't know what's in Pog Juice because it's passion it's fruit, passion fruit. It's not pineapple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, my, I I fact checked myself because you made me feel insecure, and I was in fact wrong. Uh, passion fruit, orange and guava. I stand I stand corrected. I don't know if you had it. We had it. I think in in grocery stores when I was when I was growing up. I don't know if y'all had it back east, but the uh, it's totally possible. I don't yeah. remember it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, no. We're 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 talking about the Disney afternoon only tangentially uh, through a gauzy film of nostalgia um and that's uh you know and that's that's where we come to this uh this film this lonely island joint uh with all the people that you describe i'm sorry pete to to oh, no, uh, no, to, course, inter- to interrupt you i just thought it was self-evident and that's why i didn't say it myself i mean everybody would know that the only movie worth podcasting about this weekend is chippendale rescue rangers the film that yes. came out Three days ago, and that everyone has seen our public. Right? Like our, our public expects certain things from us, and this is yeah. one of them. <laughs> this movie has Eric Bana as Monterey Jack, which is feels like it was done personally <laughs> for me, <laughs> as I was a big fan of Monterey Jack. I, of course, have four younger sisters, so I watched the, the Disney Afternoon like crazy from the point where I watched it for myself. To the point where I watched it while babysitting through all of these sort of preceding evolutions where like the shows would like move up a half an hour and then leave or move down a half an hour and then leave as they would get replaced by different shows. We all knew when bonkers came to town that the clock was ticking. But anyway, but Pete, uh, I so would, I mean, that's, yeah. I'm, I'm really fascinated by that because it, it strikes me. I was talking with Christina about these uh, about these shows and she was like, oh, no, those were those were boy shows. You know, oh. and that she was not she was not interested in it. But your sister's interest in the Disney afternoon was was undiminished was not affected by by that, or they didn't they didn't share that that perception. No, I don't think so. I think okay. everybody watched the Disney afternoon. I think I, I sure mean did. there there were certain points at which Barney took precedence due to the age of different kids. 
But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible that I thought I was doing it for them, but was really doing it for me out of a sort of myopic callousness that is characteristic of someone being 12 years old. <laughs> they just don't they don't know the effect of their actions on other people. Uh, but yeah, possibly. Um, but this movie. OK, <laughs> uh, so this movie, I guess it indulges in some of these sorts of things, but. I would I would locate this movie in the same general area of meta genre cycle, self-referential, nostalgic, remake, reboot, re, you know, comeback meta movie as The Matrix Resurrections. Mm. Uh, and perhaps, though I can't speak to it with great familiarity or detail, uh, Bojack Horseman, uh, just because it's not just about oh, we're going to make a Rescue Rangers movie and it's going to have a bunch of adult jokes in it because we're making it now for parents who watched it when they were kids so their kids will watch it. We're making a movie about Chip and Dale. And we're making a movie about remaking the Rescue Rangers movie as a thing that nobody actually wants to do, right? Right, with a sort of like criticism of the stupidity and emptiness of reboots um, and the sort of foolishness and the sort of uh, desperation that drives people with no better options to them. But we're also going to tell it from the story of really put upon and just perennially uncertain, but uh, pretendingly optimistic uh, show business people, right? Where it's like, we have to hope for the reboot because what else do you have, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, it's very different from a situation where, the original movie was either considered to be like a great work of art or like a sort of lightning in a bottle or a sort of amazing thing that everybody thought was super awesome, like The Matrix. And now you're being asked to remake it all these years later. And it's sort of like confounding and baffling and strange to try to go back to this material and ridiculous. Uh, it's not like that. And it's not like something like BoJack, where this is somebody who was a celebrity back in the day for something that was sort of corporate and empty. And now they're looking back in their life and they regret that their show business life, right, and the life that came from it uh, ended up in, uh, absent of fulfillment, right, and sort of absent of the kinds of meaningful social relationships that can, you know, perhaps for some make life worth living. Uh, no, no, no. Chippendale Rescue Rangers is like about a bunch of actors who aren't like super duper committed to being actors and sort of luck into making a hit TV show that they then botch, right? <laughs> because they should just keep making it because it's great. And then they like get in a fight with each other and they don't make it again. And and it's not like they were ever going to make anything better, right? Like Rescue Rangers is great. And everybody's just hustling, trying to get something like Rescue Rangers. And people wish they had Rescue Rangers, right? Um, but now what is it, right? It's just some, just some thing in the dustbin of history. Uh, and, and everybody in it has moved on to other things. So it was interesting to see a movie that is making fun of the idea that people want reboots, but doing it from a self-deprecating standpoint of a sort of absurd notion that we have to recognize that the things that we want aren't necessarily these grand holy things, both in our personal relationships and in our entertainment and in our culture. Right. That like it's sort of a it's sort of a comedy that takes wait, wait, but everybody Pete, down a notch. Pete, yeah. I, I thought that Lady Ghostbusters ruined my childhood. <laughs> Come on. Matt. What do you, you mean? Incorrect. You're saying you're it saying that I it am objectively not did not ruin your childhood. <laughs> I thought it retrospectively went retroactively went back and neglected me and failed to meet any of my needs. I you feel know? like I could say, Matt, I know what ruined your childhood and it wasn't the lady. Ghost. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm not gonna no, go down that it road. was it was a lack of passion fruit, orange, <laughs> and guava. Oh man! But yes, yeah, so shall we summarize the plot for this thing a little bit? Like sure. what actually happens? Yeah, why why um, not? Should I do the honors or Please. do you want to do it? No, I would okay. I would love it if you did. All right, so the I the 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 instigator, the call to adventure, <laughs> arrives with Dale. No, Pete, how can you how can you how can you begin this way? I mean, I think you have to start by zooming out a little bit. We need a prolegomenon. Okay. We need a sure, prolegomenon yes. to any sure. future rescue ranging. You know. Okay. And and so, it goes like this. It begins that in in the course of human events, sometimes <laughs> some crimes go slipping through the cracks. <laughs> All right, please continue. Okay. So the conceit in this movie, to zoom out a little bit, is that cartoon characters are just another kind of person. They aren't all actors. They just do regular jobs also. So if you were to walk into any given public space at any given time, you might like see a couple of cartoon characters there. They're just sort of live among us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's and, distinct. Uh, it's distinct from the Roger Rabbit universe or the Rob, Roger Rabbit cosmology because their all tunes are more or less uh, more or less in show business, except the one who turns out uh, to be in municipal government to yeah. <laughs> terrible effect. Well, they, it's sort of there's an anchor to Toontown, right? There's sort of a dual reality in Roger Rabbit between the Toons and the humans. Yeah, but in in Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the cartoons all live in real life. But it's, it's just it, Los Angeles, Pete. It, but, but yeah, exactly. But because the movie is so narrowly focused on Los Angeles, it doesn't have to go into detail about the question of like who isn't in show business because everybody is at least like somewhat related to show business in this movie. Right. So not, not Senator Butthead. Yeah. (laughs) One of a zillion clever throwaway visual. I didn't catch that. The Senator Butthead. Oh yeah. There was a Senator Butthead political uh, bus bench. It was an ad for Senator Butthead. It was it was wonderful. I mean, the stuff I know that that Disney became like an IP machine under Bob Iger. But I some of the things that are in there, I didn't think they actually owned. In fact, like oh, they don't I, well, a lot. They didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And that that was it was pretty wonderful to see a lot of that to see a lot of that stuff. Uh, I guess the gummy bears they own, but not South Park. There was a South Park character in it, you know. It was anyway. We could we could go on forever just just pointing out things that we things that we saw and other pop culture podcasts would do that, but no, we want to do something better, and that's give you the history of Pogs. I'm sorry, Pete. You were talking about the you were talking about the world in which the story takes place. Right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, that notwithstanding, uh, so Dale, right. Is uh, it, it was the star of Chipdale Rescue Rangers, uh, and with Chip, right? They were buddies from childhood, and uh, they have a falling out because Dale tries to do a solo project. So it's classic, you know, band movie about a band thing, uh, and uh, and and so they stop making Rescue Rangers, and this picks up years later, where Dale, in order to try to stay relevant in Hollywood, has just had surgery to convert to CGI. Uh, where Chip has not and has gone to work at insurance and uh, and they unite, they reunite uh, on the occasion of uh, of their old friend Monterey Jack, voiced by the Hulk, Eric Bana, the only Hulk that I'll ever respect. Uh, Eric Bana, the only Hulk with a bike helmet, Eric Bana, uh, who uh, <laughs> tells them that he is like deeply in debt to the mob, basically, and is in a lot of trouble and needs their help. 
because right. of his addiction to cheese. Yes. <laughs> so, which was hilarious when you're seven years old, but turns very dark <laughs> when you're 40. <laughs> so, like, one of the conceits of Rescue Rangers, right, was that Monterey Jack would smell cheese and would go after it with such fiendish fury that he would exhibit, like, super strength and, indi- you know, nigh invulnerability, right? So you could, like, put cheese somewhere and he would just go nuts and go after it. But it's a conceit in this movie that all the many different mice in all these cartoons that are sort of follow the sort of trail of the smell of cheese are all like partaking in a powerful narcotic that is trafficked beneath the, beneath the eyes of polite society. Right. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so Monterey Jack is strung out, addicted to cheese, deeply in debt to the mob uh, and concerned that he is going to be kidnapped and bootlegged. Now, Mark, you had an issue with the concept of bootlegging yeah. as it as it relates to this movie. So, Maybe go into that right now. What happens in the show is that the cartoon characters, they're kidnapped um, and they are altered and then forced to perform in. And I'm going to use this word very deliberately knockoff versions of popular animated shows, um, mainly popular uh, like knockoffs of Disney <laughs> of Disney animated shows. Um, the, the word they use is bootleg, though. Right. Which I've always interpreted as just like an illicit copy of something like a right. bootleg DVD that is just like someone with a camcorder in, in a movie theater that, uh, you know, get, gets out before uh, this is before the stream, before everything came streaming immediately. Right. Um, but, you know, but the movie uses the word bootleg. I, I think knockoff is a much better term for it. Right. Though bootlegging has the relationship with underground crime. You know, and sort of bootlegging booze. Yeah, and stuff it's like a that. human trafficking story, really, what this is about. Yeah, so this movie is about human trafficking. And it's really, <laughs> it's really dark at the end. All the, all the knockoffed or bootlegged. I mean, and it's, it's not like the, they make knockoff, uh, characters by just like animating them cheaply in, you know, uh, low budget or fly by night, you know, movie studios. No, they, they surgically alter the, yeah. the original cartoons. Um, to be, which is kind of L.A. Confidential's plotline, <laughs> right? But that, like, oh, the, we should we, the, we should add also that like animation, uh, as we understand it, isn't really a thing, right? Like the way that like a, a Rescue Rangers cartoon was shot was that these um, tune sentient beings would perform on a set and they were yeah. filmed with cameras. <laughs> Which is Roger Rabbit rules, you know, about yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. about how how cartoons are made, which is I mean, which is sort of funny when you consider the actual history of, you know, how Disney made cartoons and sheets of celluloid and back, you know, background layers. And there was actually this three dimensional thing, kind of a set. I think they shot from the top facing down through, you know, through all of these layers. But like they're actually they actually did kind of make it happen like one one frame of film at a time. But uh you know, I don't know. It's interesting. And they're very Consid- proud of that legacy, by the way. Yeah, considering <laughs> considering the 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 history of it, the kind of the proscenium, uh, the you know pr- sort of proscenium uh, stuff production of of cartoons that we see in the film is has that history. But I, I was just going to make the point, you know, with respect to to human trafficking, that that at the very end, one of the climactic things that happens is the the detectives, the rangers, bust open a shipping container. You know, mm-hmm. and like yeah, shades of the wire season two, you know, they, they bust open a shipping container and all of these surgically altered, uh, cartoon characters come pouring out. You know, many of them are very wee, but that, that shipping container was too small to house and, you know, tend mm-hmm. to, I don't know what the biological needs of, of cartoon characters <laughs> are, but too small to tend to any of them. It was, uh, they're, they're, they're human, right? And again, language fails me. They're, they're, uh, 
uh, intrinsic rights as beings, cartoon or otherwise, were being violated by, you know. Spoilers for Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the movie, which we should have said at the beginning. Sorry, continue. (laughs) But that, like, I don't know, the, the, like, they're down at the docks. You know, uh, they're, they're at the docks in San Pedro. So, you know, shades of the usual suspects there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're rescuing people from, from shipping containers. Uh, th- th- like it's a, um, I don't know. It's a dark. I, j- <laughs> I just found the, the whole thing a little, the, found the whole thing a little dark throughout. Uh, yeah. you know, for, for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean the story. It's a, it's a. I love that you pointed this out because I hadn't thought of this, but it, it very much feels like an L.A. crime story. Yeah, because it, it's about these sort of two guys who are a little bit outside the law, who are working with the cops, but the cops are on the take, right? Like there's a mole in the cops, and one of the cops is kind of working with the bad guys, so the cops can't be trusted. And so these sort of regular folks who've gotten too deep into this sort of murky backwater of like L.A. excess and money, which also connects to infrastructure because L.A. has this weird relationship between being both a huge shipping hub and also the place where they made family ties. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's just like uh, <laughs> I, I actually know if it's the place where they made family ties. I just mentioned that off the top of my head. But, yes, it it, it makes both dreams and sh- and uh, shipping containers. <laughs> Uh, we travel, don't travel we, them across. The we country. don't. We don't make the shipping containers, Pete. We just. We just process more of them through the. Yeah. You know, and we have, we have a line of hundreds of of ships burning basically. You know, crude oil uh, off of our uh, off of our coastline, blowing a noxious cloud of of yeah. uh, asthma causing particulates on shore with the prevailing winds. There was an aspect of that, Pete, that really disturbed me, and it it is kind, it kind of rhymes with with a trend that i that i just truly hate in our television the kind of 24ization of uh due process you know and yeah. the the idea that like now it's just normal like in your spy show you know or in your slightly actiony you know hour long drama television show your your Oh, I, I don't even know what your alias, whatever the current like version of alias is, like the blind spot or like, I don't, it's just, it's just torture. It's just accepted as a way of life. It's like, Oh, we've captured someone. We need information. Time to get the water, bo- get out the washcloth, not the nice washcloth. No, 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 the dirty washcloth. That makes it worse. You know, I, I hate this. And just like this, there was, there was an exchange of dialogue early in the movie that, that I found kind of disturbing when Chip and Dale were like, uh, Monterey Jack has been kidnapped you know he's been he's been uh trafficked because his his you know love of cheese has gotten him in debt to the to the mob you know i i mean i don't know the 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 mob boss in this who have we said who it is yet it's it's peter pan okay got it it's it's peter pan who is who has in fact grown up the cartoon character has (laughs) grown up and is a uh you know a a paunchy uh balding uh middle-aged guy you know bitter about his his lost uh child stardom um doesn't sort seem of danny bonaducci figure yeah though danny bonaducci wasn't middle it wasn't paunchy <laughs> but, yes. but it seems like he's not he'll just kidnap you to kidnap you like it's not just the people who like who owe him money whom whom he kidnaps no. and you know he he they're 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 linked kind of falsely they're separate criminal enterprises a the the illicit cheese racket and they visit a cheese opium den and yeah. at some point, which is in on Main Street in Disneyland, uh, right. which is Main Street, yeah, is, is a front. 
for for a cheese opium den, which is really disturbing. Like B, the extortion, the money lending and extortion business, and C, the um the uh, not that that's not extortion, the loan sharking business. That you you think they would you know have a hand in extortion as well, and and C, what what seems like the real cash cow or the thing they're at least passionate about uh, when you consider the amount of technology that they've deployed to make it happen. The uh, the uh, the knockoff tune uh, uh, human tune trafficking and plastic surgery racket. But yeah. uh, sorry, I digress. All, all those uh, all those things are going on, and when when they stumble upon this, Chip and Dale are. Our intrepid heroes, our rescue rangers, they want to go to the to the authorities, which is appropriate, right? Yes. They want to say like, oh, we've we've uncovered like uh, you know uh, evidence of foul play, you know, let's let's get the authorities, and they sit down with an actual honest to goodness police officer who says, yeah, guys, we have like warrants and probable cause and <laughs> you know all of this stuff like and uh the um maybe the, you guys should go be vigilantes maybe you guys should of, go be there, maybe you guys should go be direction. vigilantes you know yeah. and this is like uh, I mean, uh, while we're pulling on this thread like where this goes is that um chip and dale steal sweet pete's um a step counter fitness device thing um and so you know they with with uh, extremely sensitive surveillance information which they then give to the cops which somehow then turns into a legitimate reason to assemble like a full-on SWAT raid of yeah, that, the, that evidence um, would get tossed facility. in court so fast you know <laughs> <laughs> unless i don't know unless judge i don't know unless the judge was judge doom right i don't know the, the you're saying that this this chippendale rescue rangers movie does not have solid jurisprudence no behind I, it Matt? I, i'm saying that there is along with the kind of the casual embrace of torture in our entertainments i i find the kind of the the casual denigration of due process and the you know kind of constitutional protections of of the accused uh to be I, I, you know, to be a little disturbing to me, right? Like, yeah. and, and that's all I have to say about it. I don't need to like, I, I'm, I don't need to like, you know, uh, instigate a moral panic. It's just that it's something that I noticed, uh, and that, that I, I, you know, yeah. kind of snagged, snagged on a little bit. It's, a, I, I mean, it's, it's the same vein running through all the fascination, current fascination yeah. with superhero movies. Mm. Well, what I would, what I would add as well is that in this movie, it serves an additional purpose, which is, I think that the movie, I wouldn't say interrogates, but the movie has to make Chip and Dale into rescue rangers because the idea is this is sort of a spies like us kind of movie where these these frauds. This is sort of like a Bob Hope and Bing Crosby road movie where like these frogs frauds get thrown into these situations and they have to play the part that they have disguised themselves as right in the past. Um, And uh, and so Chip and Dale, though, having never been rescue rangers in the past, being merely actors. Uh, how now have to actually be rescue rangers, which includes some issues, meaning namely that being a rescue ranger is not a real thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also that the show sort of like casually asks us to accept that it is a real thing and that we never questioned it because we were children. Like, like, what does a rescue ranger do? Like, I guess we know, like to contrast, right, to contrast, the rescuers mm. have a very clear place in international law, right? Like they're an extended branch of the United Nations, right? Possibly the International Criminal Court. Right? Like they have, they, there's a whole United Nations for mice. There's a diplomat, like Lady Bianca, Miss Bianca is a diplomat, 
right? She's not a commando and she's sort of part of an international organization that's, you know, backed by NGOs, but like supported by international law. So when those mice go rescue children from human trafficking, they have like a due process for doing it. Whereas the Chippendale rescue rangers are like PI counter kidnappers, right? <laughs> like, like, I guess how like they, they operate, they, they operate underneath the view of, society because they are they are rodents and and, uh, and are physically small and thus are like not easily noticed when they do things um but yes yeah, so like there's a bunch of different things that happen that are sort of so one thing i didn't mention about this this movie you might get the wrong idea about it from how we've described it this movie is a sight gag fest Right. This is like I'm not I'm not saying on the level of like a Zucker Brothers movie because it's a different tone, but like constant jokes, lots of them visual uh, about cartoons and uh, and just all over the place. There's a rhythm to it that sort of pops here and there and has a little bit of a little bit of funkiness. It's not too predictable, like when you're going to laugh, but it's constant. So this whole thing is 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 a goof fest, uh, while at the same time, it is also about. Uh, extrajudicial uh sort of extrajudicial uh, uh assaults of uh of suspected crime scenes uh by uh, by vigilantes uh with the tacit consent of law enforcement um, but uh but yes so so there are these sort of ascending goofs where it's like, well, they weren't really rescue rangers. They don't really have any training. Rescue ranging isn't really a real thing. They don't have any of the equipment they need to do their job. And like, in order to sort of make the whole thing to come together, probably my favorite moment in the movie, one of my favorite, I had several favorite moments in this movie. This movie is great, uh, is when they find Gadget again. And that's because she's yeah. the one who's been yeah. missing the whole time, right? And she's she's the best character in Rescue Rangers, hands down, right? No, not not close, is Gadget. The uh, the mouse, the, f- the female mouse that makes... Uh, that makes all of the of the, the 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 sort of dirigible that they fly in and all of their crime fighting uh, gadgets, as it were. Yeah, she um, does machines like Donatello. She does machines. She's the Donatello, right? Exactly. Um, and they find her, and she's like settled down, of course, with the little fly who in the TV show never talks, but in a you know to really twenty four eyes it in the movie as the voice of President Palmer, which is adorable. <laughs> Dennis <laughs> Haysbert, very as strong movie. Yeah, yeah, the, exactly. The so I don't want to bet. Stentorian um, baritone of Dennis <laughs> Haysbert coming out of the little the little fly. Yeah. I I see what you did there, Lonely yeah. Island. So they they meet they meet Gadget and they get to fly in the actual Rescue Ranger flying machine to the rescue and there's just this line that is said by uh uh by none other than and i want to make sure i get her name right tress mc the legendary tress mcneil right who has i looked up her imdb page and she has 400 credits uh yeah she is she is a the voice of many 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 things uh all over disney um, you may know her and all and other things as well. You may know her as Babs Bunny or Dot from the Animaniacs. Uh, but she's just done tons and tons of stuff. Uh, and and was gadget and chip in the original Rescue Rangers, plus a bunch of other parts. Uh, and so she's in this movie. Um, and and she says basically, like, well, I guess my real life is exactly the same as my life in the show. <laughs> like, like, like the sort of heightened end of that game, the button is the gadget being like, no, I actually ex- do exactly what I've always done. Uh, you know, um, and that's why I have this dirigible made out of a bleach bottle that is in my garage <laughs> that can fly off on a moment's notice to, uh, illegally countermand, uh, the, uh, the warehouse of a human trafficking organization <laughs> or something. Um, but yes, yes, yes. There's, there's, there's many different, 
running I wouldn't call them running gags, but there's many different lines of gags in the movie that have buildups and climaxes that interweave with each other, uh, which I think just as a as a sort of goof fest, I think it's wonderfully done. Um, I mean, you guys know what my favorite one is, other than than Eric Bana being uh, Monterey Jack and uh, and and Gadget in this movie, which made me cry a little bit because I'm a sap and I'm dominated by nostalgia. But like, I mean, we haven't even talked about the most bizarre and amazing uh, mid tier character in this movie. But wait, right? wait, let's talk about your favorite, Pete. Is this is it is that that it? is that what you're teeing up with the most bizarre yeah. mid tier character? Well, in this my, movie? my favorite story, oh. my favorite like arc oh. in the movie, my favorite like sort of arc of gags, arc of jokes. Uh-huh. But got, the thing that seems ballsiest, be, you know ugly, what it is, Mark. ugly Sonic, ugly Sonic, yeah. ugly Sonic, <laughs> amazing with his human <laughs> teeth, hit it out of the park with that. Holy crap! So, which what is a not song. a Disney thing at all, as far as I know, right? So like. For people who might not remember this, because I have no idea how big news this actually was, I think it was pretty big news, right? Was that the original trailer for the first Jim Carrey, James Marsden, Sonic the Hedgehog live action film came out. Film is used loosely, right? Although the movie ended up being good, which was uh, bizarre. One of the last movies that came out before the pandemic and the shutdown, Yeah. yeah. It should have won Best Picture because they shouldn't have allowed all those other movies to be nominated for Oscars when the movie theaters were closed. It's not fair. <laughs> it's it should the have only been one. Sonic and Bad Boys for Life and the movies that and like maybe Birds of Prey because they had like half a week. But uh, but um, but yes, when the original trailers for the first live action Sonic the Hedgehog movie came out that I know of. Uh, the 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 design character design and rendering of Sonic was widely viewed as a repulsive abomination <laughs> that that not only not only not did not resemble Sonic the Hedgehog but also resembled a wide variety of, of waking nightmares <laughs> like that it had these it had weird its eyes were the wrong size it had like weird proportions it looked kind of depressed and it had human teeth. Uh, which for a lot of threw a lot of people off and seemed super creepy. Uh, and so uh, I guess they had a lot of the files. Did somebody have all of the? I hope that they had all of the rendering data from the original Sonic the Hedgehog cut because they remade the entire movie in response to public outcry with like the new. They re-rendered all the visual effects. They redid them all with a different design for Sonic the Hedgehog, and that movie was successful. And now it's had a successful sequel. Um, but yeah, but the original Sonic the Hedgehog from the trailer is a major character in this movie played by Tim from I Think You Should Leave, mm-hmm. who's a like really solid comic actor of a high caliber working these days. Um, and he plays a burnt out, uh, but hustling, you know, 15 minutes of fame uh, celebrity, like D-list, E-list celebrity who is trying to parlay his minor name recognition into uh, just unlikely and low quality reality television. <laughs> and he's super stoked about it and is super convinced that it's going to be successful, um, it, it, which is just a wonderful uh you know, a wonderful uh, meta commentary on the like desire for a Rescue Rangers reboot and kind of what sort of human impulse it arises from by the many people who are involved in it. But yes, uh, Ugly Sonic is in this movie, like not as a cameo, like as a he has like a couple, a few scenes. He has like three scenes, right? And a really pivotal and a really pivotal moment where you like he kind of comes through in a particular way where you <laughs> thought like, hey, this guy was this guy's going to be a joke, right? This guy's yeah. going to be uh, uh, just a, a throwaway gag. And yet he 
he actually some of his like weird boastful stuff that he says that you think he's just you know puffing himself up and kind of talking big in the manner of anyone in Hollywood trying to like self promote. No, in fact, he shows up in an actual helicopter and saves the day <laughs> with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It's like Flava Flav showing up in Airwolf just to like blow up a huge tracking organization. The, the FBI is showing up like like SWAT in this thing, yeah. showing up like a like a tactical urban warfare special <laughs> ops unit yeah. again led like, by ugly sonic yeah exactly you need to understand law enforcement <laughs> and the criminal justice system you know what you know what really does it for me is is ugly sonic wears that jacket that zips up really high <laughs> <laughs> like fbi jacket that is like the key piece of costume for anyone who's in the fbi in the last 20 years in television right. oh man <laughs> yeah, but I feel, like, I feel like the ugly windbreaker is a is a realistic thing from an actual law enforcement organization. Oh, yeah. And yet the the like, you know, the the special ops paramilitary, you know, Kevlar utility vest look is not as much of a, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's not as much of a, of a real thing. I mean, it's just I don't know. The, the, it's the, a thing, but like, you know. Yeah, but it's not, not, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's appropriate to different, uh, different parts of government or different parts of, of, uh, (laughs) different specialists in violence than the, the more kinetic parts of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Yes, yes, yes. So like there's all of these misfits. It's, it's very island of misfit toys. Uh, all of these animated misfits. I mean, did you guys have, have favorite animated misfits in this movie? I I did, but just kind of, um, zoom out for a second like yeah talk about another theme that we haven't really cashed out so much in here it's like it's not just misfits it's also like people past their prime right and so mm. like the real emotional core of this movie is chip and dale you know like you know missing out on youthful um uh, youthful glory like the um the 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 uh, what's what i'm looking for fulfillment um and satisfaction they got in sort of a more carefree time um, but it's also like, you know, for them and like, it's like a meditation on male friendship mm-hmm. as in, in middle age in particular, right? Uh, the main characters are all lonely, Chip, Dale, Monty. Yeah. Like, they're all shown as basically living alone by themselves. They don't have families. They haven't like established themselves and become full and productive members of society. Like they've been all being cut off from each other. And yeah. it's like, it's sad and poignant. Like, yeah. That was one of the, the things that I was most surprised at how well the movie did. Sure. To go even, back to our yeah, even the police it. officer character, and she's a yeah, a human woman, like is you know doesn't have a love interest, doesn't have any, doesn't have a sense that there's anything to her life other than her job. And at the end, her her apotheosis is starting a detective agency. You know, like uh, and I thought well, she like, also after, goes vigilante. After <laughs> yeah, her, yeah, she takes her own advice and goes vigilante. Right. Except, well, I mean, I guess you gotta you gotta live by your principles. But like the the at the end, wasn't that a weird wasn't that a weird development? Rather than like, oh, my boss has been revealed to be corrupt gumby has been working with peter pan this whole uh <laughs> this whole gumby. time Evil gumby was the t-1000 all along okay we'll yeah. get back to that in a second i mean you know gumby was you know he was once a little green ball of clay you know it's a, it's really uh it's a hey, meditation he's here and he's here to stay gumby come see all the magical games we can play <laughs> william punk <laughs> but that now that her now that her boss Gumby has been revealed to be you know in cahoots with the main villain of the piece, like 
she she can have his job, right? That's how these things go. Like, uh, maybe I'm not such a maverick after all, you know. Maybe maybe I don't advocate vigilanteism and torture, you know. Maybe I <laughs> maybe I actually you know want to try to reform my department from from the inside, you know. I mean, uh, the the Los Angeles Police Department has a has a long history of 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 well intentioned people failing to re- reform it from the inside, and so that's like you know that would be an appropriate thing. But it's no like I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my government job with a pen she's not even vested in the pension she's so young she's not even vested and she's gonna go what and uh and be a um be a, a private investigator private yeah. Detective. yeah yeah exactly right this this seems like a bad like i want to see her business plan you know uh i want I, I don't know i want to see some <laughs> of the some of the projections uh you know i will say that there will always be a call for for someone in her line of work because as you know Sometimes some crimes, <laughs> but the, the, um, she's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It was a, was a kind of a weird thing, but even she, I digress. Even she is, uh, is, you know, lonely and, and only kind of only has her work, you know, at mm. least, uh, Chip has a dog. Yeah, that's true. And, and which I think you could equate with a real human child, right, Matt? Uh, I I would never, Pete, because there's no, <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing similar about those. Going back to the the the, um, the point on sight gags, right? Like yeah. strong visual joke telling, right? That the the you don't know who he's referring to when he comes home, and then this enormous dog comes in, of course, right? Because proportionate to a chipmunk, right? <laughs> like it is it's surprising like and like it's totally like... obvious at the same time when it comes in, which is like a hallmark uh, uh, of a good joke. Yeah, For those it had, of you who've read the pigeon, uh, pigeon wants a puppy. It's a very similar. <laughs> <choice>. <laughs> it's a, um, it's an interest, uh, like it, it's the Zootopia kind of yeah, comedy of scale. You know, I, Pete, Pete described a fraternity of the large in Zootopia, but I, I was mostly taken by how there are affordances. I, I thought it was an, an inclusive, uh, inclusive sort of non ableist paradise, right? Because there were sort of affordances for every <laughs> particular set of abilities. You know, there was a Starbucks counter for the giraffe and a Starbucks counter for the vole. And everyone, everyone could enjoy a, a delicious frappuccino in the way that was appropriate, uh, to their, you know, particular set of abilities. And I've, I found that, um, I don't know. I, fa- I found Presumably that- tall, venti, and grande were scaled also <laughs> to the creatures and prices priced accordingly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right, and that's like I thought it was. Uh, well, well price there was accordingly. a nice little nod to yeah. that because Monterey Jack's block of smelly cheese only cost a dollar ninety nine because it was like an ounce and a half. Right, <laughs> I remember mm. that. No, that. Oh, that's a good there's detail. There's a logo, on, a little label on it with a price. It was really low. I thought that was a clever touch. A lot of attention to detail in this movie. Yeah, it was, and those it was those little things. I mean, I the things that the things that I really enjoyed, like, was just getting a glimpse of one of the gummy bears or something like that, or mm-hmm. like the when when we went you went by, or you know, Senator Butthead, you know, which was mm-hmm. uh, pr- pretty great, or the kind of the range of cartoons that were being the knockoff versions of them were being filmed when they raided the the Fly by Night movie studio, cartoon studio, where 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 they were make, making them, and like that. That was, I mean, I I think that that 
that was the the most interesting. I mean, I don't know. To me, the the pew 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 of it all was not uh, really the most interesting. And and some of the action se- sequences were fun, but what what made them fun mostly was like the kind of the cartoon logic of them, which is a little challenging. How far can you push that line in a live action movie where where things have to kind of obey not just cartoon physics, but uh, you know, not just Roadrunner physics, but actual physics where it won't you won't you know totally uh i don't know totally start scratching your head when you see real people also kind of like living living in this universe um the it was the it was the you know the inventiveness the kind of the cartoonishness of those that that made them good and i like the the um I like the, uh, what the kind of constant sight gags, just like every corner of the environment sort of plastered with references to things, uh, that, you know, reinterpreted, uh, cartoons in a, you know, in an interesting way. But that, like, to, to, to me, the, like, the mystery or the action parts weren't what interested me most about the movie. It gets closer to what Mark was bringing up of this is, you know, this is about sort of lonely people realizing that they're lonely and that they sort of, that they sort of needed each other all along it's about like uh male friendships but i, I mean i i'm not sure there's there's not a ton of like macho-ness there's not a, a ton of stuff that's um you know uh all that male about it it's it's i don't know really more about loneliness though though the one character who is uh who is you know has a a seems to be very happy uh and has a a home life and a work life that seem to satisfy her a great deal is gadget hack wrench and that like uh so and you know she's the only female rescue ranger so there you go but it it was really you're really, this- you're really gonna just um diminish zipper like that Okay, I see what you're doing. <laughs> well, ga- gadget, I'm sorry, Gadget and Zipper. Yeah, the, gadget but, and zipper. but yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Together. There's, you a, know? there's a reason why they're not involved in the hijinks um, up until the very end. And you right? get, you get the sense that she's not. It's constant domesticity. She's happy to be Gadget. You know, she's not. She's really. Uh, uh, she's she's really her character and her character, I think, is her is her joke is, is the same. Uh, she sounds uncannily like Amy Sedaris to me. I actually looked at IMDb to see is did they get Amy Sedaris to do this the same way that that they got the Incredible Hulk to do uh, <laughs> Monterey Jack? And no, it's it's actually uh, it's actually the real actress, the real Tess Tress McNeely. Um, right. Tress, but that that you know that 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 stuff, and that I I sort of thought about this in relationship to the idea of like living in the past, and and in relationship to the idea of nostalgia and like reboots, and sort of was this was was this good or is this just recognizable? You know, does this take us back to to a time when we when we felt something that now in retrospect seems good? Uh, you know, and that, that like, that to me, that, that was the kind of the interesting question of the movie and the heart, I suppose, the heart, I suppose, has to do with re- relationships and, and, you know, kind of needing people, needing, needing community. You know, you can't be, you can't be just passion fruit. You have to pour the passion fruit in with the orange and the guava and together, you know, they make a, uh, they make a bottle cap trading game that, uh, <laughs> will, will, oh. uh, you know, I don't know, spawn a merchandising juggernaut. Let's just catch this out for a second, the Pogbit, right? I don't think we actually have. <laughs> if you haven't seen this, you're extremely confused as to why we constantly refer to Pogs. Okay, there's a running gag in this, not a gag, it's a plot point in this movie, where um, Dale 
has a pog a chippendale rescue rangers pog collection and it's missing one of the pogs and it's the one with the entire group together the rest of the pogs are just the individual characters chip has the pog he's kept on with the whole time and there's this like pivotal emotional scene where he's like oh i had this all along but okay and they're 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 having an argument they're fighting over old grievances and he's like take the pog you know this is it you know and it's like doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me but like of course it does right so the whole thing is like the pog is the show right it is this worthless um disposable pop culture runoff and yet it's important because we made it important because um you know the feelings and the and the attachment and all the associations like you they, they're they're inescapable they are it has become imbued and therefore it's a thing and is that a fair way to describe what the pogs mean what the pog is a is a metaphor for in this movie yeah i guess um it's tricky right the how good or bad rescue rangers the show is is a tricky thing to really nail down from the perspective of this movie, because on one hand, all of the stuff that anybody is trying to bootleg or knock off, it has to be better than the bootleg or knockoff that they would maybe make from it. Although they're trying to make a Dumbo knockoff using Monterey Jack, which just seems to defeat the purpose. Um, but so you know that it's good because it's the real stuff. It's the stuff that, you know, that, that actually has value. But on the other hand, they do make fun of how dumb the show is a lot, and especially the climactic action scene where Chip and Dale have to hit each other in the head <laughs> with a lead pipe. <laughs> it's the way that they solve it's so problems. so dumb and ridiculous when you say it. Right? <laughs> yes, so the two characters need to summon birds by hitting each other in the head with a lead pipe, which is so absurd. Right? Um, uh, when, you, when you think about it, right? The idea that the birds will distract the cat uh, the cat head that um, Peter Pan has grown after being zapped by the, the this this movie is very elaborate. There's a lot that's going on, <laughs> but but yeah, I would say that that um, it's both that it's important because we imbue it with that, but I think it's also worth knowing that noting not knowing but noting that the story is being told from the people who made it, not really other than Tress, right? But like. The the characters are the people who made Rescue Rangers, not the people who watch. Well, and the people who watch Rescue Rangers, because you have you have the police officer who really liked it. And when you think about, like we've all done old artistic projects. I mean, we're we're doing a project now that's probably an old artistic project that we've been doing for a long time, and that's an extension of other past projects that we've done. And so the 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 recognition, the sort of immediate recognition, like a sort of the cognitive idea of a face that you that you like, right? Like our brains are are I hesitate to use the word hardwired because it's overused, but our brains are structured with a specific region that is only dedicated to recognizing and understanding faces, right? Like that's one part of our brain. And so all these cartoon characters that we immediately recognize, like there's a part of our brain that's dedicated to remembering all their faces. And for us as the audience, you know, you could argue that that's pointless uh, or that it's been wasteful or it's been exploitative, uh, which is maybe what a different uh, <laughs> piece of media would do. But but this is from the perspective of the of the characters who are making it. And those are their friends. Right. So those, the, the familiarity that Chip has for Dale and Dale has for Chip is the familiarity of an old friend, literally an old friend, not just figuratively and nostalgically an old friend. And so the pogs are both a symbol. For, they're a symbol, right, rather than strictly an allegory. They're a symbol. And one of the things they're a symbol of is our relationship with Chickendale Rescue Rangers as an artifact of nostalgia 
that both is sort of a collectible and like popular enough that people might care about it, uh, but also something that matters because of our memories of it and our experience of it. But then it's also a symbol of the sort of frozen moments that they spent together, a sort of a memory of their collaboration, mm, yeah. uh, and which is their friendship. Because we said male friendship, I think when people talk, I wanted that we did a whole podcast about this. Don't want to recapitulate it, but I think two different ways to, to qualify that would be, you know, a male friendship is a friendship where people don't talk about their feelings, which I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, but maybe we're just not typical. I think we talk about, I guess your feelings about fast and the furious don't count. Uh, we, you could argue we talk about this to avoid talking about what we really want to talk about. But the other side of it is that, you know, is, is, is sharing activities, right? That like overwhelmingly at all ages, male friendships involve doing something together. Um, and, uh, which is weird. It's like observed, not understood, right? Uh, maybe it's something that's a result of the other thing. Maybe it isn't. That's mostly conjecture, right? But the idea that like you look at kids on a playground and the, the people who are talking are more likely to present as female and the people who are like playing games together are more likely to present as male, you know, statistically. And then that carries through. And the idea that you can't do things, you know, what it reminds me of is uh, field of dreams uh, with a doctor scene in field of dreams, but huh. the opposite, right? Like, so uh, where it's like, you know, you, you can't, everybody gets to play the boys game for like a certain amount of time in your life. And, and part of the glory of being a professional baseball player is you get to keep playing baseball as an adult, which most boys don't do. And of course, Field of Dreams is a very gendered movie. There's there's it's mostly about, you know, cis men, um, cis hetero men. Uh, and, but it's like you get to the point in your life and you can't play baseball anymore. Like this is something you did in your past and you can't do it again. And, and with that game came a whole bunch of social relationships. It's how you understand your relationship with your dad. It's how you understand your relationship with your kids. You know, it's how you understand your relationship with the city that you live in. And then when you go through this transformation in your life where it's not part of your life anymore, you can get disconnected from all of these things. And there's the great character of the doctor who got one he got one at bat in the major leagues, right? And, and then he 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 uh, quit. He got cut and he, when he became a doctor and he like saved all these lives. And they – and they have him uh, they have him bat one time in the sort of spiritual field of dreams uh, that's constructed by Kevin Costner in the cornfields of Iowa. So he can relive this moment of his youth uh, that meant so much to him and sort of means so much poetically to what baseball is about as the sort of character in the story. But then a little girl falls and hits her head and he has to leave the field of dreams to become the doctor to save her life. And it's sort of like he had Dude, to British leave. British television is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I don't. I don't know why I laugh at that, but I get. Is that is that a characteristic of British TV? No, it's it's uh, just that he has to become the doctor. Is oh, that's the, true. You know, he the, has to become the doctor. That's right. Um, and there's this idea that once he's crossed the threshold, once he crosses the foul line or whatever it is, he goes into the gravel. He's out of the field. The thing that he used to do that defined all his relationships, he can't do the thing anymore. And so he becomes a different person. But of course, he has this whole other thing that he's been spending his time on that matters, right? That that gives him that sort of sense of self-actualization and that sense of social relationship, right? Like he, who he is to other people as a doctor is a is a thing of value. Who ugly Sonic is to be other people <laughs> is, is not a thing of value. And, and that's the kind of that's the kind of arrested development that we're sort of talking about in in one interpretation, right? Which is like, oh, you never grew up, or rather, 
the thing that you did that was the occasion for all your relationships, which for Ugly Sonic was being in the first trailer for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and literally nothing else, right? Like, uh, like it's it's over. It's not happening now. And, and you can hope that it will happen again. And, and for some reason, there's a good chance it might because the media landscape we're in is crazy. But in general, in life, it's not going to happen again. And you need to move forward in your life by finding new things to do. And hopefully, if you want to maintain friendships, you find new things to do with your old friends. Um, and and so I guess the idea that that Chip carried the pog over his – or Dale carries the pog over his heart and uses it to block the bullet that's going to take Chip's life, the talking bullet that's going to take Chip's life, huh. uh, is this idea of like the rescue rangers in vivo – Right. Like like all of that legacy is sort of put into a living present, um, which is not a place where it's been in a long time. And and that is the fantasy, I guess, which is like that you can reclaim these friendships without and, and go back and do the thing that you used to do, which like you sort of can, but you sort of can't. Um, you no, probably I get won't. it. I get it. When there was only one kind of juice pog, that was when I carried you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I have no one like to stand on because I, you know, picked magic cards up again, you know, 15 years ago after not playing it for 15 years forever. <laughs> um, and, and, and and I guess, you but know, that, part you know of magic, magic, magic cards like lead to an experience that is good, right? Like you can play a game that you yeah, find enjoyable yeah. today, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and like, let's not, you know, yuck your yum, right? Let's not get critical of something that, that you enjoy. You play a game of magic the gathering, you like it. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure we would feel the same if we walked, if, if we actually went back on Disney Plus. Did either of you I, go on Disney Plus and actually watch a couple episodes of, of Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers? Because I can, I can summon, no. I, I can summon kind of a tone, but I can't summon okay. a, I can't summon a, like an actual recollection of what they were like. Though, I don't well, know. I, mean, maybe, I remember it pretty well. Maybe they're not I, terrible. Yeah. Maybe they're not terrible. I mean, e- I even, you know, hackneyed, uh, hackneyed tropes and all the, the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and ending, uh, ending thing on a bad joke where everyone laughs and the camera pulls back and they fade out. Like that's, uh, you know, it, it's still in all, they, they may be good. It was really well parodied by the, the Simpsons in the, the episode with the dentist. I think that was dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces that the, um, you know, where they, uh, they go to the dentist and they all, the laughing gas is, is left on and, and Lisa goes, and that's the tooth. And they all, <laughs> for for way longer than appropriate and then it's like oh someone left the nitrous oxide on and they all laugh <laughs> fade to black like even with all of that cheesy stuff you know they may be good i i watched uh recently well not that recently but when they came on streaming i watched some episodes of gem and the holograms which i think uh got uh got on netflix or something they were surprisingly good or at least surprisingly complex which is like good to my Brain. <laughs> uh to to me they had some like wire like uh the wire like plotting uh in them where stuff was really really uh not not straightforward i don't know i was uh we've, I was we've been impressed. watching a lot of og bob the builder uh-huh. um og bob the builder is solid i mean it's the episodes are like 10 minutes long but but uh but like yeah i mean i can't imagine the new one is better maybe it is i don't know mark have you have watched any og children's entertainment recently Mm, probably it's like I saw some Animaniacs that did not age well did okay. not age well yeah the Me Too movement happened you guys oh fair enough fair enough because yeah, well, Animaniacs is also a, a sort of post-baroque 
Yeah, Harris. that's maybe not the best example, but no, it's also from the 90s, but didn't age well. Can we go back to something that I think we've been circling around, but I just to make sure I understand this correctly, is like, you know, these 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 different models for achieving self-actualization and moving past um, a state of arrested development, right? Um, the rescue rangers, they achieve it through what? Just like kind of um, fundamentally um, uh, recognizing their friendships and acting on their friendships, right? Sweet Pea and his quote-unquote bootlegs, which I prefer to say knockoffs, um, are not that, right? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different what's going on. Like, there are people, well, people are being impressed in service against their will. Um, but it, what is at the core of it? It's like, what, the inauthenticity of it? Is that like the main sin of what he's doing? I think it's um, – it reminds me of Satan in Paradise Lost. Mm. Oh, <laughs> right, <this> Okay. <laughs> The, the greatest unsurpassed and unsurpassable work of literature in the English language, or uh, as Matt likes to call it. Um, but the notion—a notion of uh, of like Satan starting as this sort of beautiful, majestic fallen angel, and then being this sort of like Lord Duke of Hell, who is of like great might and kind of heroic aspect, and then over the course of his sort of pursuit of of vengeance. Uh, becomes sort of more and more petty and small until he's reduced to being a snake, right? Um, and uh, and there's the verse in the Bible about like you know the 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 hail the heel will tread upon his head. Um, that it's degrading. It's like degrading yourself in order. To, of course, it's not consensual, but it's the idea that the industry will allow you to work, but it will degrade you to do it, and and it will. It, it's like. Yeah, you have to if go you, on. You have to go on like Fear Factor or something like that. Yeah, and it's like you could do the thing that you used to do, but that is too precious even for you now. It's like it's like Disney owns the rights to Little Mermaid. Disney is not going to give Flounder a job because they do not care about Flounder, but they also are not going to let Flounder be Flounder, which is the really weird situation about being a professional actor, right? Which is like you don't necessarily own your work, right? And your work happens, and then it's gone. Right. Um, and then somebody else has it. It sort of is, is sort of put away somewhere. And uh, and then all and, of a sudden they make a reboot of it with women and it ruins your childhood. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're an anime thing. You don't own it. And all of a sudden they make a, a version of it that's live action. Ugh. Right. But that's like got a real metal can, uh, candelabra. And you're yeah. left at the convention still keeping that flame burning. Yeah. yeah. So it's like so like. And, and I guess this is this idea of like you can do the thing that you did, but you have to degrade yourself because you can't be allowed to be the good thing that you were yeah. and you have to be degraded. And it's this destruction of it's a it's basically like it's a it's a it's a involuntary narcissistic destruction of the self. Right. Where it's like by by recapitulating your past, you destroy yourself and you sort of uh, lose your identity. And it's this sort of drifting into you know like like that awful abomination of bart simpson what did he say it wasn't i caramba it was like i con fuego or something he had some <laughs> oh yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> like, i pachanga or something i like pachanga that. or something like that <laughs> and it's just like that's it's just so pathetic right and it's so sad and it's so miserable this idea of like i want people to like me for who i am but like i have so little self-worth now that I have that I have that even the idea of what I used to do that was good has become a like a shame. 
Right. Um, Which is interesting propaganda from the Disney Corporation. Yeah, exactly. I, I right. would say. Right. right. Like, and I, we right. can sort of wrap to somewhere adjacent to this, I guess. But like that, that like the, the idea that, you know, violate that sort of takeoffs or violations or knockoffs or bootlegs of its original IP are somehow, you know, not just uh, illegal. You know, not just a violation of copyright or whatever, but also somehow like a deep moral stain on, <laughs> you know, on everybody involved is is a really interesting way to bring ideology into what is, you know, at its core, a legal, uh, a legal discussion. Right. But if you're Disney, though, we can remake your thing with real, you know, with uh, uh, live action and CGI. And that's okay. And this movie like just walks right up to the line of interrogating it and just does not. I mean, that's probably too much to expect uh, of something like this. And you know, this movie like, you know, um, pushes the envelope in, in many interesting ways. But like that is just like a third rail that cannot possibly be touched. It would stop being funny, maybe. It'd have to make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's the hard, but that, that's why people get paid a lot of money to come up with this yeah, stuff true. because the job is legit hard. Yeah, <laughs> you know? hopefully, when we get that Darkwing Duck reboot, they'll take this on and they'll really, they'll really flush it out. Oh, oh it'll, Pete, get, it'll, uh, get, da- it'll no, get dangerous. No, Pete, let's Pete's not, let's not get dangerous. You know, what? I, oh, I'm just man. grateful that sometimes some crimes go slipping through the cracks, but <laughs> these two gumshoes are picking up the slack. Uh, and th- that's uh, as helpful a note as any to end on. So thanks very much for listening, Pete and Mark. Thank you for uh, podcasting. I now now that I've sort of recovered from being ill for the last couple of weeks, we uh, recorded the final Eurovision uh, video, the wrap up, which you know might be interesting for you to uh, to to watch, even if you're not a, a big Eurovision follower. If you've heard about it, uh, we talk about the results and stuff. So it's a good you know it's a good kind of you don't need yeah. a ton of knowledge, ton of depth to see it and i I just you know uh props to our boy mapalinky who has been killing it uh on the overthinking it youtube channel like uh, nearly like 1.5 xing or 1.8 xing our our uh subscribers over there which which was great Uh, nice to uh nice to be involved in so that's uh that's going on so we continue the streak of not not doing the obvious movies because we uh we are you know are, are here to i'm i'm here every week to confound everybody by mis- <laughs> by misdirecting and gaslighting you about what even the actual episode is about this 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 film this weird streaming film that we picked instead of any of the obvious ones i won't even talk about that in a straightforward way will that trend continue next week next week of all weeks you'll have to come back and find out until then you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it it probably probably doesn't doesn't deserve. deserve Oh, you, you thought we would uh, do this podcast and not have Mark complain about the T-1000 sequence? You, that's really what you thought? No, 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 no. Here it is. Here it is. Okay. Right. So they do the whole like, you know, freezing, you know, the 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 the, the shape shifting and all that kind of stuff and, and freezing the enemy like at the, at the climactic sequence and the battle. And they totally botched the line. Right. She says right before she shatters the frozen um, uh, uh, police, a uh, corrupt police captain, she says, hey, putty. Don't be so fragile when what she should have said 
what she really should have said, and it's so obvious and it hurts so bad that they didn't do it, was hasta la vista, Gumby. <laughs> <laughs> right there. 